Ringer FC is your podcast home for all things soccer on The Ringer. Join us on Monday and Thursday for Stadio, hosted by Ryan Hunt and Musa Akwanga, as they cover the major European football leagues and a lot more. On Wednesday, Arsenal legend and former England international Ian Wright hosts Wrighty's House, discussing the latest in European football with a rotation of special guests. Check out Ringer FC on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Baseball Barbecue, the only podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. Recording from the South Bend Cubs press box at Four Winds Field in South Bend, Indiana. I have just biked 68, damn, not nice, miles. Jordan Schusterman. I'm here. I'm sitting in the same room as Jake Mintz, which, you know, I've done many times over the last 10 years, but... I believe this is, in fact, the first time we are recording in the same room. I know if you've been listening for a while back last offseason, we went to the Phillies parking lot and recorded from our respective cars to be particularly COVID safe. Uh, when we were in Denver, we were in the same hotel, but we were not in the same room. But here we are looking at each other. We are recording in the same recorder, two different mics, of course. Uh, but we're here. We're one day away from Chicago, which is very surreal uh, for us and maybe a lot of people listening. Um, but we're going to get to, of course, the trip stuff later. Last week, if you listened to Baseball Barbecue, you know we talked a lot about the trip uh, on this episode, uh, particularly since Bobby is not here. We're going to kind of focus back in on the 2021 Major League Baseball season. We just had the trade deadline. And my God, some people are calling it, in fact, the best trade deadline ever. And Ben Lindbergh, our wonderful colleague at The Ringer, wrote a fascinating and excellent piece uh, breaking down the numbers behind it. And it's like, yeah, no, there really were more major leaguers moved than basically ever before. Um, obviously, there were a bunch of blockbusters, which we're going to get to. Uh, now that we're far removed from the trade deadline, we have to, don't necessarily have to review all that. But what we, what we wanted to do in this episode is kind of zoom back out. It's August, baby. We're, we're in the stretch run. We know which teams are trying to win and which teams have decided not, nah. not happening. Nah. We'll say, we'll give our hearty goodbye to the, the era of Cubs and Nationals baseball uh, that, has, that has passed us on. Uh, we'll, of course, do good, bad, ugly at the end, and we will do a little bit of trip chat. But Let's Jake, begin. Where, would, where would you like to begin? Are we just going to go division by division? Yeah. See, where, where, you know, division wh- by division, people always seem yeah. to go in the same general order. We want right? to just go Yo, crazy order. Let's so we just, just do, do weird. Do a weird order. All right. We're going to start with the NL Central. We're going to start with the NL Central, of course, as as, as uh, everyone does. As everyone does, as we sit here North Coast bias. on Tuesday morning in South Bend, Indiana, I can tell you that the Milwaukee Brewers are a healthy seven and a half games up over the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds have been playing much better lately. Of course, one of the stories of the last two weeks has been. Joey Votto's unbelievable tear. Uh, I believe a home run in six straight games or seven straight games, I think. And he missed the eighth by like an inch in City Field. So he's been amazing. But the Reds still seven and a half back. Obviously, the Cubs, we'll get to them. They are See out of the picture. The Reds, sorry, the Cardinals hovering around 500. After the trade deadline, how are you feeling about this division? Is it any different? No, no. The Reds, the Reds could have done something wild. Yeah. If the Reds had gone out and gotten Barrios or Scherzer or sure. something like that, I would have felt a little bit better about Tre- them. Trevor Story. Trevor Story right. would have been a great fit for them. They didn't. And they kind of stood pat. The Brewers stood pretty much pat as well, uh, but they did get Eduardo Escobar, who my, my pick for the uh, the trade deadline acquisition of the season. Seems like the type of guy who will make an impact in October. Good clubhouse guy. Very fun player to watch. So besides the Cubs tipping their cap and saying goodbye, and the Cardinals being like, give us all of your 38-year-old left-handed pitchers and J-Hap yeah, and John ima- Lester. Imagine, yeah, being the Cardinals fans 
and you come away with both of them, right? Like to get John Lester, which by the way, shouts to the Nationals for getting Lane Thomas for John, John Lester. Lester. That's pretty impressive. Uh, John Lester and Jay Happ, like that's those are your yeah. deadline moves. And then the Pirates, uh, they <laughs> sold at the deadline, they duh, because that's did. what they do. They did. Uh, and they, you know, they got some interesting pieces in return. I think some folks thought the Adam Frazier return might have been a little bit bigger than it was. Sure. But, you know, getting real players back for Rich Rodriguez, who is, <laughs> seems to be a uh, sticky stuff guy. Yes, yes. But I will say, I think he threw a scoreless inning or two uh, in his Braves debut. And that was also a trade that that we were all sitting around at like 425. Like, what, what? why didn't the Pirates trade Rich Rodriguez? Okay. There was too many trades to keep up with. The Braves they and had Pirates. A, they had extended time. Remember <laughs> that in high school? Yes, yes. The Did Braves, you have extended time in uh, high school? I'm trying to think at what point I would have. Um, no, I had extended I don't time. So. Basically, yeah. if you had, you know, Really good ADHD. Right. They would be like... Top-level ADHD. Like, we got to give this kid a few more minutes. Just like 15 more minutes. Yeah. I Nothing think, nuts. I think in this case, it was more of a... The Braves and Pirates are probably two of the more secretive organizations. Um, they always seem to just announce their moves from their own account instead of waiting for, you know, Rosenthal yeah. and, and Passan and the like. Uh, but in general, you're right. I, I don't feel that much differently about it. Uh, I do feel pretty... We were so wrong about the Cardinals, man. They they really suck. I know they're at 500 now, but I think the Reds have a push in them here. I agree they yeah. should have done more. I don't think... I think seven and a half. I think it will get a lot closer than seven and a half. I would still pick the Brewers for sure. All right, well, naturally... We'll get the, to the Cubs later. We'll get don't to worry. the Cubs later. The Cubs will have their own segment. Although, I doubt any Cubs fans are listening to baseball podcasts right now. Like, if I was a Cubs fan, <laughs> I would just be... Getting into knitting. You, you know where I would be? I would be out here at South Bend checking out the the, the high <laughs> South Bend Cubs. Um, all right. Naturally, from the National League Central, we move to the American League West. As everyone does. Uh, where the Houston Astros continue to sit four and a half up on the Oakland Dude, A's. Do you mean the trash trash? Uh, oh, the trash. Oh, boo, boo. Mm. We're sorry. We have to boo them every time. They are mentioned. It's um, like Haman. I have been, uh, I have been uh, very uh, on record for for really, really most of the season, just trying to urge everyone to understand how good the Astros are. They currently sit with a 149 plus uh, run differential, which is second in baseball only to the Dodgers. And I mean, they had a a strange deadline. They basically went and uh, they just got a bunch of relievers. They said, Miles Straw, thanks for your thanks for your time and effort. We're just going to turn you into more and more relievers. We'll give Chaz McCormick the everyday center field job. And yeah, they got Maton. They got Yimmy Garcia. They got Graveman. They got Montero. I think there's another one in there that I'm forgetting. Do you remember last year during the Astros postseason and the whole narrative was like, this is so cute. They have all these young relievers. Right. We don't know anything about them. Yep. And <laughs> the Astros front office was like, nope, not like, doing that again. This is not cute. This not is not cute for us. This is not cute. Like, yes, we all we all want Enoli Paredes to, you know, be a reliable reliever straight from A-ball. That's not usually how the postseason Take works. Take the gun leave the anoli. <laughs> so so uh, that's what they did. And, and I think that was plenty. I mean, I think that their offense is fantastic. And is this where I should give my little my little Astros related admission? Because I, I know we talked about this. Yeah, Jordan has something to say. I have something to say. And, and I know, you know, as a as a you know very public facing Mariners fan, this might hurt some people. And I know a lot of people just hate the Astros. So a lot of people are going to be like, Jordan, what, what the fuck's wrong with you? But I'm going to say it. I am officially falling for Jose Altuve again. Let's remind ourselves. Let's just think back, okay, people? I know it's been a long four years, and I know they cheated, and I know they said a lot of dumb shit, and they said a lot of things. Like, they cheated. They weren't punished. I'm I'm, all, I'm with you we on all that. that. All we were there. here, too. We were here, too. But let's just rewind to 2015, 16, 17, the rise of Jose Altuve. I'm there again. He is all the way back. I know he struggled last year in the weird season until the postseason. Let's remember he did have some moments in the postseason, but he has been spectacular this season. He it is really really difficult to hate Altuve. Look, I get Correa is I get it. He's obnoxious. Bregman obnoxious. I I'm I get it. I get it. But Altuve, I'm sorry. I'm I'm back to being pro Altuve, and he especially when he's playing this well, it's hard not to I not agree. to enjoy it. You don't have to justify this admission to me. I know I'm speaking to the empty uh, four wins field here in South Bend. You're speaking want, to every I, Yankee fan. Listening. Like, every Yankee. It's fan okay. Listening. I know. Like, I know. Not everything. The Astros cheated. Yeah, they did their time. Yeah, it's pretty clear at this point that Jose Altuve was not a creation of the cheating. Like, <laughs> yes. he was not good because yes. the Astros were banging on trash cans. Yes. He is good. And yes. I think it is okay, Jordan, for you to love him. Mm -hmm. But let's move on from Houston. Let's talk about the Oakland A's. Yeah. A very non-Oakland A's move, mm. trading controllable starting pitching, yeah. Jesus Lazardo, to the Marlins in exchange for Starling Marte, who I believe will be a free agent at the end of this season. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
fascinating. Yeah, it's a deal. it's a fun one. I mean, you know, we're we're used to them, you know, adding some relievers. Of course, they went out and got Andrew Chafin. You know, they do that every season. You know, they 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 acquire Andrew Chafin every season or some first version time of it. on the A's somehow. First time on the A's somehow. Uh, so that one made sense. But yeah, like kind of kind of sending Lazardo away. Like Lazardo really felt like. I mean, they had acquired him in the trade. It's not like they had drafted him, but but it really felt like they wanted him to grow into that dude. And it just they just didn't really have the time to wait. And, you know, the offense needed some help, and, and I think Marte will be able to do that for them. Now, they're four and a half back of Houston. I still think they're way, they're not as good as Houston. I don't think they will catch them. I don't think they will catch Houston. Will they stay in the wild card race? I think definitely. Um, but I don't know. You, you know I've been skeptical about this team from the beginning, but they've done enough to make me feel like, yeah, they're, they're still pretty good. Yeah. And the A's, you always have to give them like four extra wins. Yes. Because they're yes. the A's. That's just yes. how it works. Uh, uh, the Seattle uh, Mariners, Jordan yes. Schusterman, a bizarre oh, deadline for them. They are yeah. in it. They are yes. undeniably quote-unquote, as they say in the industry, hanging around. Hanging around. They are hanging around. I believe their playoff odds still sit well below 10%, if not even lower, uh, despite being seven games over 500 on August 3rd. Um, they're only three back of Oakland, but I just... <laughs> the Graveman trade was such a... like. It, it was a trade that probably will end up looking pretty good. I mean, Toro's already been good, um, and, and you know, that is a, a, good, a good piece to add for, for uh, you know... Many, many years in the future. That that is a very valuable at, bat to have. But just the, the timing of it was so brutal. Bad vibes. And then, of course, to then, of fittingly, it was exactly what they what deserved to happen to get walked off by Jonah Heim twice right after the deadline. One of which by Diego Castillo, who they thought was like, well, he's better than Kendall Graven. I mean, he's more sustainable than Kendall Graven, and we'll have him for three years. It was it was exactly what should have happened. I love Diego Castillo. I think he'll be good, but it, it was a fitting uh, way for that to go. Now, listen, I think they're still going to hang around. Um, I, I think that they still managed to add, they added Tyler Anderson. I think Toro will help, but <laughs> it's just that, that still felt like a defining moment of the front office saying, look, we are not expecting to make the playoffs this year. We still have to think about the future more than now. And I get it. I can't blame them. But when you're that close and you're still above the Yankees at the end of July, uh, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks. So that's where that is. Uh, the angels, you don't get our time of day because you have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and Jared Walsh and David Fletcher, and you are two games under 500. And, Sorry. And, no. and uh, if you had decided, they clearly decided, all right, well, we're not we're not in it. We traded Andrew Heaney, who's like our most, because not that Heaney's that great. Why didn't you trade more? Why didn't you trade Iglesias? Weird. Why didn't you trade, like, I, clearly, you're not, whatever. Angels. Angels, pay our minor leaguers. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, get them real houses and maybe win next year. And maybe year. win baseball games. Uh, I like what the Rangers did at the yep. deadline. They're bad. I would have built around Joey Gallo personally sure. instead of trading him. Yep, agreed. Seems like he wanted to stay. Yeah. Uh, they made the decision not to, uh, and I like the depth of package they got back in return. Yep. So agreed. let's move, Jordan, from the uh, AL West to the AL East. All right, the AL East. We go to the AL East. I don't know if you've heard of this division, but Where, people talk about it all the that's time. That's all. I can't. We can't escape it. Where the Tampa Bay Rays, after even after losing last night, because the Red Sox are in a bit of a skid, sit one game ahead of Boston in the standings, seven games up on the New York Yankees, who just traded uh, for a few more super duper sluggers. We'll get and to the twenty five up on the Orioles. Twenty five on the Orioles. Only eight up on Toronto. Toronto back in Toronto. Oh, let's take a moment here. Love it. Oh, my God. I, I mean, we had high hopes for the return to Rogers Center. Uh, is that what they call it now? Yeah, Rogers Center, right? I keep wanting to call it the Sky Dome because that's what it was when I went there in 2003. Um, but but the Blue Jays, they have... Did they do enough with the deadlines? They got Brios. That was pretty cool. They paid a hefty price for it. Okay, that's fine. I'm fine with it. I love the aggression there. Did they do enough to to to, to ride this wave of momentum back in Canada to actually push the Yankees, Red Sox, and Rays? I think so. I, mean, I do too. I, I, and let me say, as like a neutral fan, like since the Orioles have been bad, I've always been pulling for Tampa. Uh, I'll, I know they're, they've become a little bit more hateable recently, and I totally get that. But now it's just like, how can you not root for the Blue Jays? I mean, oh my they're, goodness. The Blue they, Jays they might are the be the most mo likable team, especially now that the White Sox, especially with LaRusse's stuff, the White yeah. Sox could have had this crown easily. Yeah. And they still do to some degree. Of course, we still love those players. But who is not rooting for Toronto? If you're not a fan of seeing this division, it's seriously right. Yeah. It, they just have there is what do we not unless Robbie Ray's pitching. The, you know that's not particularly fun. But in general, my goodness, the jerseys are great. The fans are great. The narrative of going back to Toronto is great. The players are fun to root for. The broadcast is oh. awesome. Oh yeah, just get in on the Blue Jays. Oh, and I goodness. love the acquisition of Barrios. They just yeah. needed an adult in the starting rotation. <laughs> yeah. 
And I know, Jordan, that we hate on Robbie Ray all the time, but he's been really good. He has been good. Robbie Ray and Jose Barrios at the top of a rotation is... Honestly, yeah, they still have Ryu, and Manoa's been really, 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 really good. The, 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 the Blue Jays have a plus 104 run differential <laughs> and are behind <laughs> the Yankees, who have a minus six run differential. That's wow, plus 104, nice. which is just two less than, than Tampa, right up there with the White Sox. So yeah, this is a good baseball team. This is a really, really good baseball uh, team. The Rays didn't really do anything. So well, they got Cruz. They, they got really Nelson Cruz a couple that. weeks ago, but love that move for them. Beyond that, not much. The Red Sox got Kyle Schwarber and Hansel Robles. Yeah. Fine. I think Sox fans wanted a little bit more. This is the classic case of a GM being like, our uh, trade deadline acquisition is our pitcher coming back from injury. <laughs> Which, in this case, the way Fair. that the reports are coming, I can't super duper blame them. I think people are forgetting about Chris <laughs> Sale. Chris Sale uh, is, was, you know, when he's healthy, has been a top five pitcher in the world. And... Uh, if they're just adding him, that that makes them a whole lot scarier, especially if they don't win the division, right? I mean, at this point, the Garrett Cole, uh, Chris Sale wildcard game, sorry, Oakland, is best case scenario, right? Yes. I mean, that is, and sorry, oh. Toronto, right? We want Toronto. I guess I would love it for Toronto to somehow win the division and Tampa, whatever. But that, like, in play... In play. in play, very in much play, in play. In play, in play. Uh, the Yankees, I don't know if anybody saw, they made some trades. They did. Uh, they did make they some trades. They got two large left-handed first uh, first baseman slash outfield guy, Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo. Bada bing, bada boom. I wish Bobby was here to break down the Italianness of it all, but he's yeah, not. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, they they just decided to lean in. They're like, oh, well, we need what we need more speed and defense. Nah, well, Gallo's a good defender, but like, nope, we are just gonna quadruple down on having the biggest gentlemen in all of the league. I mean, their outfield when they're going, I think people should judge Stan Gallo. It's the biggest outfield ever. They talk about this on Effectively Wild. It has to be. It's the sec. I think it's tied for the tallest outfield ever. There was one day where Randy Johnson played in the outfield. I think Jeremy Frank found this, and that is tied okay. with that. But that doesn't okay. really count. <laughs> that obviously doesn't count, but that is going to be... I mean, yeah, it's terrifying. It is It is an unbelievable lineup, and uh, only makes it funnier that you know they they lost to Jorge Lopez last this night. This is the thing. I tweeted this. <laughs> the, the, the more the Yankees do at the deadline, the harder and longer and more entertaining the f- inevitable fall is for neutral Yankee hater fans. But even in general, I think it is also just better for baseball because if they had kind of sat on their hands and didn't do anything, then Yankees fans would be like, oh, well, I guess they just don't want to go with luxury tax. They don't want to win. And see, our team wasn't we wasn't as good as it should have been. It's like, no, no, no. You, what what more do it. you want? The you team's did it, good. Okay? And when they lose... <laughs> <laughs> they lose in the wildcard game. We'll see. It will be glorious. Great. Let's go from the American leagues. By the way, Boston's just really good. Uh, and I, I know we were in denial for a while, but they're really good. But the Orioles... No, but the Orioles... Orioles didn't do anything. They didn't the trade They were in anyone. the mix for Scherzer, I heard. Sources say. Uh, you, can, you can question Jake's sources. Let's go from the AL East to the NL West, which has been the just best. an absolute heavyweight fight every single time any of the Dodgers, Giants, and Padres play each other. It has been ridiculous. And any time the Rockies and Diamondbacks play, <laughs> does a tree fall in the forest if there's no one there to care the about Giants it. on August 3rd still sit three and a half up on the Dodgers. Unbelievable. Of course, they traded for Chris Bryant. And that was the kind of move where it's like, like give me something where it's like, it's going to push them towards like, I, I can't, you know, Steven Duggar. I refuse to believe it. Alex Dirksen, I refuse to believe it. Darren Ruff, Lamont Wade Jr. I refuse to believe it. We got Chris Bryant. It's like, yeah, he's Chris Bryant. Like, that's awesome. That's great. You, 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 you know, you add him to the, all the guys that are mystically having their career seasons. Now I'm more sold. I'm more in. And uh, yeah, man, I just, this is still, I mean, it's been true the whole season, but it's it's the thing I'm most interested in for the whole season, for the rest of the season. Giants, Can the Dodgers, Giants Dodgers. sustain it? I mean, yeah, Bryant makes it feel real. Yeah. It's, you know what it's like? I mean, this is a bad comparison because it's not something I know about. Like if you're like a startup company and you're a bunch of doofuses and then you like hire a real human being to like be oh. your CEO. It's like, yeah. all right, well, we're making money hand over fist. Like let's, <laughs> we'll bring in Chris Bryant. He we'll actually knows Chris what he's Bryan. doing. Now, now really, now they look like, now when Chris now Bryan, they're a now when I'm looking at the lineup, I'm like, oh. Chris Bryant. Oh, Chris Bryant. Because I know all those other guys have crazy numbers, but they're still all those other guys who right. we are not used to being in this position. Because just again, all it was, Dodgers, Padres, Dodgers, Padres, Dodgers, Padres. We Everyone's saying, those are the two best teams the, in baseball. The Giants, coming into the season, may have been the most irrelevant team. Yeah, they weren't going to be bad. We didn't say we were going to be bad, but they, we were just like, 
80 and 82, the, the San Francisco Giants. And now here they are crashing the party to an epic degree and forcing, if they do end up forcing the Dodgers or Padres or both into the wildcard game, that will just be also unbelievable. Do you know who should thank the San Francisco Giants? The Washington Nationals. Because mm, if the Giants were not this good, yeah. the Dodgers do not trade for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. Ooh, and Joe, Joe ooh, Gray, and Kyber Ruiz don't end up in Washington. That's a great point. And we'll get to the Nats uh, fire sale here in a little bit. But the Dodgers, they yes. were the, you know, every uh, article you click on on the internet that says like the words winners and losers at the yeah. deadline yeah. will show the Dodgers at the top. It's oh, not rocket goodness. science. They traded for the best pitcher available, Max Scherzer. Yeah. And, in my opinion, best Absolutely. position player available. Who we didn't know was available. And the best he, position and player he, not available. And he was available, and then he was on the Dodgers. Um, just, I mean, I guess we're kind of numb to the Dodgers like making these moves now. Well, it's but, interesting because a couple of years ago there was a critique of the Dodgers that they were they were prospect hoarders that yeah. they didn't like to move guys. Right. And they have since just <laughs> said fuck yeah, you twice. Yeah, about let's, that. let's go. We're trying to win the World Series every year. Now that they got one, they're like, let's go. Not one. Not two. Not three. Friedman sitting up there. Uh, at the, like with Chris like, Bosch, with Chris Bosch, trying to trying to make it six or seven or eight championships or whatever LeBron did not end up doing in Miami. But uh, the Padres sit in a weird spot, and I would say again, if we're doing the flip side, the lose who lost who lost the deadline. I mean, look, they they got Frazier, okay, they got Daniel Hudson, okay, but you can tell AJ Preller was probably sitting there, you know, Arthur fisting on on uh, July thirtieth because he could not. Swing the big deal with while we all got the notification, Padres close to acquiring Scherzer. That is not what ended up happening. I think AJ Preller was in a tough spot at the deadline because, especially once the Dodgers got Scherzer, everyone in baseball knew that Preller had to do something and that Preller would do something. When you're dealing with like the Rockies and you're trading with the Rockies who never trade, you're going into that interaction probably maybe offering a, a lower package or right being willing to take a lesser package or sorry give up more I think I think I th- okay yeah you got my it my point is like <laughs> if you're trading with Preller yeah and he's always trading and you assume he's gonna trade and he has to make a trade you can go in there with a high price yeah and you can really set the bar high for him because you know he has to do it I am gonna deliver a take here which is that I think Preller Sneaky won the deadline. Oh, okay. Because he didn't just like he say, didn't just screw it. All right, I am like, finally trading the rest of my prospects. I I can imagine that you know the Rockies were like, we want C.J. Abrams for Trevor Story, and he was like, no. Right. I can imagine that there was a, a deal on the table. You think it was some discipline? He really. I think it was some discipline. discipline. Wow. And some growth and some maturity from AJ Preller to not pull the trigger. Now, granted. <laughs> Over the offseason, all of the deals that most teams would make during the trade deadline, he just got, I mean, I know he's been bad, but they got Blake Snell in the offseason. Last year, they got Clevenger, right? He's been making these deals. Yeah. And I don't think that, like, making another one now it was necessarily the right move. So, tip, tip, sneaky tip of the cap. Yeah, I mean, it might. It might cost them, but it also might not. In the same way that we were like, okay, is all this stuff they did over the winter enough anyway to catch the Dodgers? Uh, it might not have been anyway. And so now they might find themselves on the outside looking in. And you think about like, okay, well, why not? Well, Blake Snell's been bad. It's not that complicated. Like Blake Snell's been just yeah. very and that's not like simply bad. AJ Preller's fault or right, anything like right. that. And Darvish has been merely good instead of like one of the best pitchers in the league. Right, and like the package that they could have used to go get Barrios they used to get Blake Snell in the offseason and yep. used to get Joe Musgrove in the offseason. Yep. Yeah. So I that's why I don't have an issue. They they did their they finished their homework assignment way early. early. Way early. early. Right, right. The Colorado Rockies also in this division. What the absolute <laughs> Save them. They're my bad. We'll save them for the bad. Save them for the bad cuz I'm I'm angry about this. So we're going to save it. I think it was also my bad. <laughs> uh okay. That's well okay. good then we'll double down. We Sorry double Rockies down. fans. So we'll do that later. Uh Diamondbacks are the worst team in baseball and it's not even close. All right, we know that. Let's move to the National League East. The National League East where just, is just, as, as they say Jordan, disgusted. <laughs> disgusted. It's absolutely disgusting. Dis- Despicable. All right. The as you pointed out last night, the Seattle Mariners would be in first place <laughs> in the NL East. The Cincinnati Reds would be in first place in the National League East. The Jake Mintz and Jordan Schusterman. <laughs> we would be, be the South Bend Cubs. Yeah, the South Bend Cubs. I don't know what the record is, but they would be in first place in the National League East. 
But here the Mets sit, still two and a half games up. They had an interesting deadline, and we will get to the Kumar Rocker saga after our trade deadline discussion. Can we call it the Sandy Alderson saga instead? Yeah, we can. We, we, we will. The Zach Scott saga. We'll put it on Zach Scott. Uh, the Mets are still, I think, clearly the best team in this division. They traded for Javi Baez, which is certainly very fun. Um, we all thought they were going for Bryant. I think that's what we all assumed. It felt like Cubs fans, sorry, Mets fans were trying to manifest that. And when Chris Bryant was still not traded at, you know, 3.30, we were like, it's got to be the Mets. It's got to be the Mets. And then it was like, Mets, Cubs talking, Mets, Cubs talking, it's got to be the Mets. And then it was just like, skirt, never mind. Javi Baez, Trevor Williams for PCA. Uh, now, is Javi Baez what they need? I don't know. <laughs> Does it really feel like it? Um, but like hard to get mad about acquiring Javi Baez. So I can't super blame them. I, I think he will make them better, certainly. There was a, just quote, a weird one. There was a quote, I think it was from Zach Scott, the GM, or someone else, about how the Mets were wary to really make a lot of trades at the deadline because they trusted their team chemistry so much. And I I think that's a you know, you you hear that and you you kind of chuckle a little bit, but then you're like, the vibes. This is a team that was prioritizing clubhouse vibes at the deadline, and they went out and got a clubhouse vibe god yeah. in Javi Baez, especially when you already have Lindor and Eddie D. I think the Baez edition is incredibly fun. I don't know how much better it makes the Mets, but guess what? I'm not a Mets fan, so I don't <laughs> particularly care. Yes. Uh, Shouts out to the Braves who quietly made seven different trades for major, maybe six different trades for major leaguers, all of which were just like, oh, started with Jock. Oh, Solaire. Oh, they were starting outfield. Totally new. Was Solaire. Uh, the other night it was just Solaire, Jock, Rosario. And Rosario. Was, yeah, someone like, tweeted just as they play. Just as they play. And Duval, right? They got Duval back, who, who you know we've already seen him in Atlanta. Uh, and then Rich Rodriguez. So like the Braves got better. They didn't really give up that much, but they are such a mess. They've had so many injuries. They're still under 500 and they're three and a half back. So like, I don't know. Maybe I know we obviously don't have a Cunha and that's tragic. Um, but like, well, I don't know. I don't I don't feel that much better or worse about them than the Phillies, <laughs> like, as, honestly. As the uh, driver of the Phillies bandwagon, Jordan. Yeah, how did are you not feeling? love it. Yeah. Did not love it. The Phillies basically had one bullet to yeah. use. Named <laughs> they Spencer were willing Howard. to, right. Spencer right. Howard was really their one big prospect that they were going to move and kind of get a guy for. They went out and got Kyle Gibson, who has been very good and is no All longer- All-star, baby. All-star, no longer the most boring player in baseball. <laughs> Congratulations. us. However, he's a ground ball guy. Jordan, mm. and they have one of the worst infield defenses in baseball. And that's just not a fit. It doesn't really make sense. And I wish they had used the Spencer Howard bullet to go get a different arm. Yeah, I, no offense to Kyle I just don't think he's the right fit for that team. Uh, and D Dombrowski was limited, I think, by the assets he was able to. Yeah, to I mean, it, it was good to see him do something because it really felt crazy that we even made it that far without the Phillies doing anything. Um, but yeah, but but like I said, like I don't, I, I honestly still think I feel better about the Braves somehow catching the Mets than the Phillies. But uh, but it's close, it's close. There's there's and, there's things to like them. And the Nats, we'll talk about. We'll them. talk about them in a second. Uh, Marlins, by the way, back at plus one run differential. So shouts out Let's go. to the Marlins. Uh, all right. And finally, we go to the American League Central, home of the Chicago White Sox, where we will we'll be tomorrow to just watch them take on the fourth place Kansas City Royals. And uh, the White Sox are running away with this division. Really not much to say here. Um, yeah, really. I don't I have anything to say here. Minnesota. I think let, let's talk about Minnesota here because they're a little bit different than the, than the Cubs and Nats. I know they had a pretty significant you know, fire sale, but it's not really the same vibe because the Twins were supposed to be good this year and they still have pieces to be good next year, but it just went south so shockingly quickly that they decided to, to go in the other direction. And, and now it's, I mean, just looking at this now and seeing them below Kansas City and Detroit is is pretty stunning. It's still stunning. It is, I think the thing in the standings for this whole season that has shocked me every time I open it is the Twins being behind those two teams. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, Cleveland is, Cleveland's just going to be annoying. They're not, I don't think they're going to make the postseason, but they are going to beat good teams down the stretch that think like, oh, we just got to beat Cleveland two out of three. Like, and then we'll be in great shape for the postseason. It's like, damn it. Cleveland. Bieber, Jose Ramirez went four for five with two homers. Like, they're, they're, they're too good to be like a walkover, but I don't think they're a postseason team. 
The White Sox. The White Sox, yes. Love the Kimbrel trade. Oh, boy. I think that it was is, spicy. That's uh, a spicy one. It's He is as automatic as it gets right now. He is as locked in as closers can really be. And he's a great example of a guy that you bring in and the whole team is like, hell yeah. <laughs> That's true. Everyone, top That's to true. bottom, right? That's true. Liam Hendricks is outstanding. Mm-hmm. But when you can pair him in the back end of games with Kimbrel, that just ups the general energy of the whole team. Like, I bet you when they found out about that in the clubhouse, that was like a, oh, let's right. go. And it, and it shortens the game, you know, especially with their kind of the back half of their rotation uh, being a little bit, you know, we're getting hopefully deep into the playoffs with them where you don't have to worry about these <laughs> three-game series like they had last year. Uh, you know, if, if Dylan Cease doesn't have it, you know, maybe you don't have to worry about as many innings when you got two guys like that uh, at the back of the bullpen. So, yeah, obviously the White Sox are in. They are clearly, I mean, they're the easiest uh, division favorite really in baseball, I would say. I don't even think it's close. All right, Jordan, let's say goodbye. Let's say goodbye. We're going to do a little adios to the era of Cubs and Nats baseball. And that's a little bit different. Uh, the but- 2017 NLDS. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's correct. Um, the Cubs and Nationals just decided it ain't 2021. It, it ain't happening. And 2022. 2022. Probably Also not probably not happening, but the Nats maybe put themselves in a slightly better position. But let's start, start with the Cubs as we are in the South Bend Cubs press box. We see Cubs logos all over the place. They were the story of the deadline. And uh, what do you think? How do you think? The, I mean, as Jed Hoyer said, there's no point in going halfway. That is correct. That is absolutely correct. And it's good. I think we've seen so many teams go halfway with this stuff. And we kept telling ourselves, well, they can't trade Rizzo. Apparently you can. And they did it. They ripped all of the Band-Aids off. They ripped the cast off. <laughs> and uh, now they're a very different team. And they're going to be pretty bad for the rest of the season. And we kind of have to say goodbye to this era of Cubs baseball. It did not need to end this way. I think there's a bit of a narrative that's, you know, the Cubs had to do this. I think the Cubs had to do this based upon where they found themselves in 2021. They did not, as an organization, do the things necessary in 17, 18, 19 to secure the future of the franchise into the next decade. That is a failure. All good things eventually come to an end. I understand that. And you don't want to be like the, like when the Phillies didn't trade Howard or Pence or any of those guys, and they are still suffering the repercussions of that to this day. That being said, the amount of money that the Cubs have, that the Ricketts family has, the investments that they made in the real estate in that area, the point of that was to secure the future of the franchise with the icons that they had helped develop in-house who won the first World Series in over 100 years. The inability to keep that core around is a failure of monumental proportions, in my opinion. Because, like, even if you if you keep all those guys around and you find a way to do it and you pay the checkbook and you make the auxiliary moves over the last handful of years to be more competitive... That that's a no-brainer. If this is not a core you keep around, mm-hmm. what is? Sure. Right? Sure. Sure. What is? Because it's more to me, and I'm going to talk about this later for my good. I think the wins and the losses are obviously important. Duh. That's what organizations are built to do. But the connection between player and fan base is enormous and cannot be overstated. And I think that mostly applies to keeping Rizzo around. Having, I've talked about this, Jordan, having a player to quote hold your hand through the darkness. Give <laughs> you a he reason. Which did the first time around. Which you did the first the time around. Yeah. Give you a reason to care about your team when your team sucks. The Orioles did not have that for a couple of years before Mullins and Mancini really sprouted up. And I was an advocate that they should have ex- that they should have given a contract to Adam Jones. The ex- best example of this is Alex Gordon in Kansas City. Or <laughs> yes. Freddie Freeman through the lean years in Atlanta. Having a player around that you can put on every like billboard and ticket email and jerseys, like all of that stuff matters for the fan base. And I am just incredulous that the Cubs could not put themselves in a position 
to keep these, where it made sense to keep these guys. It did not make sense to keep them. Right. It made sense to trade them. Right. But the situation that they found themselves in was of their own making. Yep. And so that's what is in a very important distinction. Multiple things can be true. The Cubs made good trades. They secured their future. That's great. But they're doing it without the players who that fan base fell in love with in the first place. And if I was a Cubs fan, I would be very pissed off. Yeah, I, I I agree with a good chunk of that. Uh, I know Hoyer had some quotes, and you you guys, it's hard to know what to do with these. But um, he said some interesting things, basically being like, "We we tried <laughs> to extend them, and said they didn't want to stay." Uh, and I I don't know if he's outright lying. Obviously, what he thinks is a fair offer, maybe not a fair offer, and that's I totally understand that. Um, and I'm sure of the four guys that they traded, Rizzo, Bryant. Uh, Bias, Kimbrel. Well, Kimbrel's different, but Rizzo, Brian, Bias. I'm sure each of them had different varying levels of wanting to stay, right? It seemed like the Chris Bryant relationship with the Cubs, not that he, well, not that it was bad, but like he seemed like he was ready to go somewhere else. Which again is because of the way that they handled him. Correct. 100%. I totally get that. Um, whereas like Rizzo, you couldn't even fathom him ever wanting to leave. It right? is a reaping what you sow. Yep, 100%. And I would say that the, the in a more micro sense, I think maybe not as much that you owe to keep this core together forever. I do think you owed this core to be good this year. And what they did last offseason suggested, no, we we are not trying the Darvish to, trade. Yeah, yeah, like we are not trying to give this core one last chance. That pisses me off more than we're not keeping this core together forever. Because like you still have them for one more year. You still have a lot of good baseball players. You are still in a division that is extremely winnable. I think you did owe this core 2021 and they did not do that. And that, that pisses me off more than that. They owed all of them $200 million extensions just because they gave them a world series. So either way, it sucks. It is sad. Uh, the Cubs will, they they did it. They, they, they got the world series, obviously, but just think um, about, I mean, the sliding doors moment of there's a lot of coming back. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things. Uh, by the way, Jason Hayward's still there. (laughs) Good for him. Which is funny. Uh, the nationals are different. Yep. I think the Nationals blowing it up is easier to swallow for a number of reasons. It, the Nationals, uh, it felt like the correct time for the run to end. Now, both of those teams, I think, are very similar in that they had a very impressive core for about seven years, eight years, and they each only won one title. And if you look at the names that were on those teams, you're like, they maybe could have, should have won another one. Winning multiple World Series is almost impossible. <laughs> really hard. It has not happened right. in the last decade. Like, the same core right. has not won. Yeah. I mean, the I know Giants, the Reds, the Giants, Giants, the Giants. Yeah, did. I guess the Giants, <laughs> the Giants. Other than the Giants, the yeah. Magic Giants. Yes. It's incredibly difficult to yes. do it. Yes. I would also say that they were staring at a cliff. In a pretty epic way, where if it they, is the, the was if, the worst were, farm, it system. was the worst farm system, and I know a lot of people. I understand there are a lot of fans that listen and say, "Who gives a shit about the farm? Like we're just trying to win." And I get that, and that's how Mike Rizzo has operated. That's how he got the worst farm system. He's decided, screw it, we're going to spend a ton of money, we're going to make all these trades, we're going to get all these veterans, and we're going to win, right? Um, and they did that. But I'm, I'm really. I am still surprised, uh, and I don't think it was the wrong move, um, and I'm glad that they did it, because now I think there's a chance that they can, as many people have written, just give Juan Soto literally whatever he wants and build around him, because he's 20, he's 22, and you you should, if there is no one in the entire world I would rather give $500 million than Juan Soto to play baseball, and so go from there. That's a great place to start. You have some pretty significant road bumps on your payroll, which is Steven Strasburg, unfortunately, who has pitched, I think, 12 innings since signing for 200 and whatever million dollars. Corbin, not great. But you're going to have some money coming off. You know the learners are going to want to spend. They're going to want to win. They're not going to want to go through a full repo. That's the thing. If they didn't do this, they could have been bad for a really long time. Getting pieces like Gray and Ruiz gives them a chance to actually get back to competent a lot faster, and I think that was smart. The the two differences between these teams are the Nats are going to pay people sooner, I believe, because we they have, and Juan Soto. <laughs> yeah. Juan Soto is the reason to go to the game. Yeah. It does not matter how bad the Nats are. Oh yeah, if gonna, Juan Soto's there, I'm going to go to Nats Park and, and watch. And they'll have stuff. that. They'll have that. Um, and I think that that's a great that's a great place to start from. So they got it's still got a lot of work to do. It's still you know a bottom ten farm, but you can see the path now to the Nats being good again by 2023. Whereas if not, if they had if they had stuck it out and like missed the playoffs and then Scherzer leaves and Turner and Turner you know it's it would have been bleak. So credit to them for 
pulling off the Band-Aid not as much as the Cubs. All right. Switch gears. Switch gears. One more topic before we take a break and do some good, bad, ugly and some trip chat. Let's talk about a huge deal, <laughs> a huge story. A huge no deal. A huge no deal. Uh, well said. Uh, between Kumar Rocker and the New York Mets. The New York Mets. The 10th overall pick in the 2021 draft. Kumar Rocker, the most famous player in the 2021 draft. Now, when we went into the draft, if you've been watching Rocker all year, if you follow the draft closely, you knew that he wasn't going 1-1. You knew also that he wasn't probably going to the top five. On draft night, when he started to fall, particularly past the Royals, the Rockies, the Angels, it was like, damn, like this is this. How did we get here? Right? What is going on? Um, he goes to the Mets. The Mets say, hey, well, we're not going to pass up on this guy. As it has been reported, the Mets basically, when they did their post draft physical, decided we don't like what we see. Everyone could say, oh, yeah, well, Rocker didn't submit a pre draft uh, physical. You know who else doesn't do that? A lot of guys. <laughs> because as people have made the very smart point, why would you, why would you give them that if you don't have to? When it's a negotiation. The that teams, doesn't mean you're hiding something. The teams have so much unbalanced leverage yes. in this dynamic, yes. and I'll get to that in a yes. second. Which is already true. Not in, putting your medicals out there up front is like the only thing players. Yeah. Do. And that's and you know, and that's that's the decision you made right. Okay, so the Mets take it, they say we don't like what we see. And we would rather punt this pick, take the pick next year. And uh I think the most important point here, because I don't really want to have a long conversation about the who's at fault here, what the problem is. This just sucks. It sucks for baseball. It's it's it is so unfortunate. And we do not know. We we can't act like we know Kamar Rocker's medical situation. We can't, none of you. You fans can because Mets fans are saying, well I trust the Mets. They didn't like what they say. Okay, great. Non-Mets fans are saying he's fine. Of course he's fine. He said he was fine. Whatever, right? Like we don't know, right? We don't know. We're not going to know. Hopefully, we are going to get to find out soon because we want Kamar Rocker to pitch somewhere as soon as possible, right? But the point is is that this is a shame. It is disappointing. It is uh, the product of a very flawed system, obviously. Uh, and it just sucks that we don't get to have Kumar Rocker enter professional baseball uh, as soon as possible, whether that's with the Mets or with someone else. Um, and that yeah. is that is the most basic takeaway that, that I have. I, again, this is a multiple things that could be true situation. Like anybody who watched him towards the end of the season could see that the velo is down, could see that there were a lot of innings on the arm. I'm not going to speculate about to what extent he's hurt, but like he didn't look the same in the second half of the season. The Mets knew that. You have to know that when you draft a guy. And for the Mets to take him and then say, whoopsie, yeah. oh, we didn't know. Right. That to me is bullshit. That yeah. is the biggest issue I have with the situation. Yeah. Because if you're going to say that, if you're going to not do the due diligence and not know any kind of medical stuff beforehand, I know he didn't submit. I know that. There's still there ways, ways to know. Watch if you watched his start against Arizona in the College World Series, he was not the same guy. And you you could see that. And that was that was not public knowledge, but like he was not the same pitcher. And there were ways to figure that out. And the Mets didn't do that. And when they took him, they locked Rocker in to that situation. And this is part of the issue with the draft is that the dynamic is imbalanced. Yep. For a team not to sign a guy, as the Mets have chosen not to do here, they get very few repercussions. Yes, there are some um, repercussions with the draft pool money, and but they get a pick, basically the same pick next season. Whereas Rocker is just out in the wind. Yeah. And yeah. to me, that imbalance is the most uncomfortable and unfair aspect of this, where yes, he should be able to pitch if he wants. Right. And um, it's look, it's very complicated. There's much smarter people that, that have written about this issue and and arguments for getting rid of the drafts entirely or changing yes. the system or whatever. Where, and yeah. Last point. There was a level of benefit of the doubt that you could give the Mets and I would like not punch you in the face. Sure. When Steve Cohen tweeted what he tweeted, the Mets lost all benefit of the doubt. All goodwill, yeah. all trust out yeah. the window because it's clear that Steve Cohen is one not doesn't seem to be treating people as people right. or considering people as people. They are Which, investments. What a surprise! What a surprise! That's we how knew he's this. Gotten to this point, right? We knew this. Okay, and just the way that he phrased it was just so gross and yeah. like it was gross. It so was condescending. It was and, like and also just like a weird thing to be condescending slash almost like bragging about and being like, 
hey, like, sorry, guys, this is how this works. It's like, dude, the Mets just want to, like, the Mets fans were really excited about drafting Kumar Rocker. And you know who else is hurt? Most pitchers, right? Ever. Ever. <laughs> you know who else? Your, your pitcher, Jacob deGrom, is hurt all the time, right? That sucks. I, I We wish he wasn't, but he's a pitcher. That's just what happens. You know, like, these things are not, it, it's part of it. That's why, it's part of the, tra- you draft a pitcher, that's part, if you if you didn't want to deal with this mess, take a, take a high school hitter who is <laughs> probably has a very clean medical because he's just an 18-year-old who hasn't been throwing baseballs 100 miles an hour. Like, you made these decisions. You put yourself in the situation, even if you didn't know that's just what drafting pitchers is, right? So don't don't brag that like, well, clearly he was so damaged that I would never make this investment. It wouldn't be working. It's like, what a weird thing. What are you thing, talking about? What a weird thing to brag about. You know who uh, represents Kamar Rocker? Yes, who? Scott Boris. Oh, right, duh. Uh, if I was the New York Mets, maybe having a bad relationship with Scott <laughs> Boris heading into the upcoming offseason, <laughs> yeah. not the best way to do yeah, business. I would business, agree. Steve I would Cohen. Agree. Business. I would agree. I would agree. All right. Uh, we are going to take a quick break and we'll be back with a little good, bad, ugly. And a check-in on Jake biking to Chicago, which he's almost there, folks. All right, we'll be right back. And we are back on Baseball Barbecue, and it is the second half of the show, which means it is time for a little good, bad, and ugly. The good, the bad, the ugly. This is where we share with you something that was good, something that was bad, something that was ugly in the past week in baseball. Jordan, what's ugly? What is Ugla? Ugla is Dan Ugla in honor of Dan Ugla, one of the weirdest and strangest baseball things, players, people we've ever had in this great game. We miss him dearly. We wish there was still more Dan. There's like no Dan Ugla types. Like that's what's so beautiful about Dan Ugla is it's like, I don't know if we will ever see. What if Williams like Estudio <laughs> I mean, hit home run? <laughs> no, it doesn't exist. There is only one Dan Ugla. All right. Anyway, that Shed, also Long, his name. Shed Long had a chance. Yeah, you got to be bigger, man. You got to be a lot bigger and you got to look like Dan Ugla. Okay, anyway, we are going to begin with good as we always do. What is good for you this week, Jake Mintz? Miguel Cabrera. Ooh, good pick. Tell me about Miggy. We were in Detroit a couple days ago. And I think from the outside where you and I sit, Jordan, the Tigers are a joke because they're not just bland. (laughs) They are bad. Should have said that the other way around. They've been bad, but they're also bland generally. There are not a lot of reasons to turn on Tigers games. And I think I was expecting more of a sad atmosphere at Comerica than we received. It was delightful. Miguel Cabrera is currently chasing two large baseball milestones, 3,000 hits and 500 home runs. I believe he is only three home runs away from that mark. And he is, I believe, six, 58, 58. hits away. 58 hits away, yep. And we were told that the Tigers sold 4,000 extra tickets because, like, Miggy was starting to get close to the record and people were coming and people were showing out for a team that is not in the race, will not be in the race. Uh, there was third place, Detroit Tigers, excuse you. There is no dramatic tension around the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> yes. And, except for Miguel Cabrera. And I think the whole experiment really hammered home to me, something I've said many times in the show and said already today, that the connection between a fan base and a player is very powerful on a financial level as well. Right. But mostly on like building up support for your team. Miguel Cabrera does not need to be on the Tigers. He is not good anymore, really. The Tigers are not good anymore. There is something a little sad about him still being there and, you know, going to work every day and not winning and just playing out the string. But I think there's also something very beautiful about it to the fan base there. And I know that every single Tigers fan is very happy that Miguel Cabrera is old and falling apart and bad on the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, no, it's true. It's, he is, and obviously, he is just an all-time dude, right? Like, everyone that's gotten to play with him, even in recent years, um, is just like, this dude's the best. This dude could be the grumpy old veteran stuck on the bad team, right? That's plenty of baseball players. He is the opposite. He is just, he gets to go to the ballpark, he gets to be the man, whether they win or lose doesn't really matter. And now that he has these milestones yeah. and chase it's every cool. day, that's the thing. We watched the 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 Tigers lose, and Miggy got a hit, and it felt like a, it felt like it, a victory for the Tigers. It was, great. it was like that's all we needed to see. If Miggy, if you are a Tigers fan and you go to the game and Miggy gets two hits and a homer, and the Tigers lose by eight, you're going to go home happy. Well said. To me, it is an argument for extending your stars. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, even it is though a fair point. It, he's not making an impact. 
Yes, but I would also say it's extending your stars, but like he's a Hall of, like one of the best players ever. So yeah, different level of it. Extend your Hall of Famers. Extend your Hall of Famers. There you go. Not many teams. Angels, extend Albert Pujols. Why didn't you do that? Um, okay. Uh, my good this week, I was going to talk a little about Olympic baseball and, and I will say that the games have been amazing. I know they're at crazy hours. They're at 11 and 6, but I would encourage people to wake up uh, and watch or stay up and watch. It's been great. But since I am I, doing my, you know, my customer, I, I haven't, you know, when we're on these trips, we had all-star, like really kind of zooming out of, of seeing who's at the top of the leaderboards, the war leaderboards, who's been the best players in baseball. And as I look here at the, at the F4 leaderboards, I know it's like a lame way to do this, but like, holy shit, man. First of all, Vlad Jr. is way ahead of everyone else. And he's going to be, I, I mean, him versus Otani will be an interesting conversation in September. But Marcus Semyon. Back. Marcus Semyon all the way back is at third behind Vlad Jr. and Tatis Jr. And what an unbelievable free agent sign for Toronto. We, we you know we, we touched on them before and how, how they're a good baseball team. He has been every bit the MVP candidate that he was in 2019. And uh, man, I, I, I the, the thing I've said always about Marcus Semyon that, that's so amazing is that there are so many great baseball you know career development stories and and trajectories and whatever. But what's so amazing to me about Marcus Semyon is that. It's not that like, oh, he was bad and then he was good, right? He was this thing. He was average for so long that it was just like, how? why would you ever expect Marcus Semyon to find another gear? He was just a good, regular, normal just major a guy. leader. Just a guy. And then suddenly, I just, what an incredible thing. So he is a huge part of the reason why Toronto's run differential is crazy. So Marcus Semyon. Is very good. What is bad, Jake Mintz? Sure, and let's talk about the Rockies and let's do let's it. Let's do together. it. We'll do it together. Our bad uh is the Rockies, not just because they are bad. Um, two things. One, they are bad. We knew they were gonna be bad, and yet they are still not anywhere close to the worst team in baseball. Now there's still time. They could get down there. Uh, but for going into a season like this after you trade Arnado, it's like, well, let's at least get a top three pick, right? That would be good. Nope, can't do that. Doesn't look like they're gonna be able to do that. But the Trevor Story situation which as far as we can tell is basically them deciding we'd rather just give him a qualifying offer. He's obviously not going to stay and take the draft pick than try and trade uh, for prospects now, right? Let's, let's, we'd rather do that. That's, that's the calculation that I guess they made. But Trevor Story <laughs> took himself out of the lineup on Friday after the trade deadline because he was pissed. He was like, what the fuck am I still doing here? I don't understand. He, he said there was a quote saying he was confused about what happened, which makes me think that they probably did tell him, yeah, we're obviously considering trading you and to the point where I'm sure he thought he was going to get moved. It's just, I mean, it's, it's, you can understand where Arenado, and I know Bradge isn't there anymore, was like the communication with, with this organization is not good with internally, externally, everything. And uh, it sucks, man. It's really embarrassing and I don't see how this is going to get better. And who that's going to be. I know that, you know, Bill Schmidt is the interim GM. He's been there forever. He's been their draft guy and he's drafted well. Fine. Maybe he can do that well, but what hire is someone. What is the next step? That's the thing. Like, what? Ask how? for help. It's okay <laughs> to ask for help. Seriously. Like, I just, we just need, I, I just want to see, especially after being in Denver. Like, these are good baseball fans. These fans do deserve a competently run organization. And it's just, oh boy. So. It just sucks. And it sucks for Trevor Story, too. I wonder if it's a situation... That's the thing, where he clearly doesn't want to be there. Yeah. I wonder if it's a situation where, like, like the Thunder in the second half of their season, they, like, told Shea Gilgis-Alexander, like, dude, I know you're, like, not really hurt, but you're just going to have to sit out because we're trying to lose. I wonder if they told Trevor Story, who's, for the whole season, been, like, kind of hurt. They're like, Trevor, I know you're not happy. Just literally go, go wherever you want. Just don't come play here because we need to be losing baseball games. But go that would almost that would, that would almost be too smart. So that's probably not what's going to happen. Trevor right. Story, go to the beach. That is bad. All right, what is your ugly uh, Jake Mintz? Andrew Heaney. Andrew Jordan. Heaney. Oh, tell me about Andrew Heaney. Andrew Heaney was traded from the Los Angeles Angels to the New York Yankees. And Andrew Heaney, in his first career start with the New York Yankees, allowed four home runs becoming the first Yankee ever to allow four home runs in their first start with the club. Our colleague at Fox Sports, Ben Verlander, tweeted this. If you're the first Yankee to do something, it means you either did something really good or really bad because there's a lot of freaking Yankees. Just four home runs allowed in your debut, all solo shots, all to the Orioles, is just a good example of what Andrew Heaney is going to be, what he is. Andrew Heaney is 150 innings of 4.71 ERA baseball. You know what you're getting. 
and uh, and a whole lot of homers and a whole lot a of homers. A lot of homers. If he's gonna have to start <laughs> the wild card or the any playoff game for the New York Yankees, things are all not of, the plan. All of the like, imagine Joey Gallo in Yankee Stadium. It's that, but oh no! Imagine Andrew Heaney. <laughs> Heaney. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Anyway, sorry, Andrew Heaney. Um, maybe but, you're not. You're probably maybe he's a nice yeah, he's guy. He's fine. Like, again, he's fine. He's I, not bad. We're not. That's why we, he's not in the bad. He's in the ugly. Right. He's in the ugly. Exactly. Because it's not bad. It's just like why? Did, why would you do this? To <laughs> so many home runs. All right. Um, my ugly this week is just something that I noticed. Uh, you know, if you've followed, I've been tracking pitcher dingers this year. Not counting Otani. Otani's different. Don't don't tell me that. But he's a pitcher. We've had a few pitcher dingers. Um, I guess I realized, I think I forgot to do the one the other day, but I'll, I'll add that at some point. But what I want to talk about is this was most likely the last, you know, year of pitcher sitting. And so, you know, pitchers, their, their slash line is terrible. They're hitting 100, whatever, whatever. I was thinking, oh, well, I bet there's some pitchers that actually don't have a hit, right? I was like, oh, shit, who, who doesn't have a hit? And when I looked this up, I was thrilled to find, because my thinking was like, oh, my God, well, they, they had another year off and they sucked already. They're, we're going to have some extra terrible pitching, uh, you know, pitcher hitters. And indeed, we are now, I'm now presenting something that we can all be watching for the rest of the season, which is that there are four pitchers with over 30 plate appearances this year without a hit. Zach Eflin with 37 plate appearances, 0 for 37, 0 for 29. I think he has a walk. Max Scherzer. No hits. Is 0 for 35. With 13 strikeouts, no walks. He's no not reached base. Max Scherzer, He's perfect game. Max Scherzer, no hitter. Perfect, perfect game. Perfect game. Okay, He's against, been perfect against himself. Game. Alex Wood, 37 plate appearances, no hits. And Chris Paddock, 36 plate appearances, no hits. And I would say, okay, well, is this, is this significant? Well, the record for most plate appearances in a season without a hit is Bob Boole. In 1962, 85. They're not going to get to that. But Wei Yin Chen is the modern record at 49. He went 0 for 44 in 2016. That is the modern record in the last 50 years, basically. And I think all three of these guys, Eflin, Scherzer, Paddock, Wood, will have a great chance, great chance to catch Wei Yin Chen. And, and this is why, if there was just one of them, I'd not bring them up. But I love that we have four guys in this no-hit chase uh, for the rest of the season. So now when those guys are starting, Eflin, Scherzer, Wood, Paddock, those at-bats are now all the more meaningful. Forget the summer of 98, baby. I no, mean, this is the this real is chase. The, this is, yes, the, the summer of, of, of 21 will be, <laughs> can these pitchers be no-hit for the whole season? So there you go. Keep an eye on that. Uh, gives you a reason. So uh, normally when pitchers come, like, oh my God, this sucks. This is so stupid. But now you have a reason to watch. All right, before we say goodbye, let's uh, do a little check-in on Jake Mintz who sits across from me. Bike shorts, Below real shorts. He's wearing real shoes right now, which uh, has been a rarity on this trip. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jake, you biked 68 miles. I know. This morning. Very disappointed. From lovely. Should have just done another lap. From lovely Kalamazoo, Michigan to lovely South Bend, Indiana. Tomorrow, you will bike to Chicago. Tomorrow. You know, we've said, we've said the whole, <laughs> we've said for months, oh, Jake's biking to Chicago. You know, last, every day of the trip, he's biking to Chicago. But, like, really, he's biking to Niles. He's biking to Avon. He's to biking Lansing. to Detroit. He's biking to Lansing. Tomorrow, Jake will bike. Jake will wake up, and he will say, I will bike to Chicago today. Uh, how are you feeling? I am ecstatic, Jordan. I am very excited. This trip, from a physical perspective, I think has been easier than I anticipated. Uh, the rides themselves have not been as strenuous as I thought. There are some days that very much were. Day five, uh, day 11, particularly terrible. Um, I have been tired often after the rides, although not the last couple days. I think I've grown into myself on the trip, Jordan. And yeah, tomorrow I am going to freaking do it, God willing. Uh, we have already raised, Jordan, over $22,000. Yes. Again, we had set the original goal, uh, raising money for Lost Boys, Inc., a wonderful organization. That provides baseball and softball equipment to underprivileged youth in the South Side of Chicago. Uh, not we, just equipment, not just equipment, games, game, oh yeah, when, the whole we thing. Should, we, the should, whole thing. we should talk about what this money is going to go to in a second here. We had set the goal at 15k. We hit that like three days into the trip. We are now over 22, approaching 25. Would love to get to 25k. We will get to 25. Uh, I think I, we, we will. I have get to about 2500 in my Venmo that I oh, have. Okay, so right we now. have even more coming. Um, 
which is amazing. So thank you all to all the people that have supported us uh, along this journey. We have obviously had a lot of fun, but most importantly, it is for a good cause. And I, I honestly, I mean, I'm not like surprised, but it is it is a stunning amount of money and very yes. excited about it. And then we can say what we we know because uh, you've spoken to, to Levante Stewart, who's yeah. of course in charge of Lost Boys. Um, and we know where this money is, is going to be going, or at yeah. least in part. Levante told me that that money is going to be used to send over 100 kids in the, in the organization to Cooperstown next summer. To wow. go see the Hall of Fame. And oh they did a similar trip this year to go to the New York League's Hall of Fame in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And next year, they're going to go to to Cooperstown wow. with a lot of uh, the money that you beautiful people helped raise. So kudos to you. Thank you very much if you contributed. And there's it still time. Well, obviously, we will still be accepting uh, the money. So you can find all that information on our Twitter uh, and the site that Jake made for the trip. Um, but yeah, I mean, at this point, uh, we don't necessarily have to recap anything else like you know, you can find all the stuff that's been going on with us uh, on Twitter. We've had some some ups and downs, but generally yeah. it has gone stunningly smoothly. I will say this in a couple of days. Shouts out to Mother Nature because Unreal. the weather on this trip has been so unbelievably lucky uh, for many reasons. I believe you you've biked in total what two hours in the rain twenty twenty minutes minutes. minutes in the rain over fourteen days, and we've only had maybe what one or two days over 90 degrees even. Yeah. Right? Like, it has really been uh, very, very, very fortunate. People are um, like, oh, you're biking in uh, early August. You get it? Right. I knew. Right. I knew. Right. I, I talked to Mike Trout. <laughs> he gave me the weather report. <laughs> yeah. Shouts out to Mike Trout, uh, our ultimate weatherman. All right. So, yeah, dude. It's, uh, it's been good. I think maybe mm-hmm. in the on the drive home, we'll do a little Q&A. Yes. We'll do a yes. nice Twitter Q&A yes. for everyone. Yes. Uh, but until then, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you to uh, Kaya McMullen and Mike Wargon for producing. The band Wargon, baby. Uh, the band Wargon is uh, alive and well. Uh, Bobby Wagner will, of course, be back uh, next week, hopefully, I think. Um, but for Jake Mintz. Bobby Wagner for- is on vacation where Trevor's story should be. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, thank you for listening. And we will talk to you next week on Baseball Barbecue. Bye. <laughs>